Welcome to GeekWire. I'm Todd Bishop. And this summer, I traveled to Austin and San Marcos, Texas to get a glimpse of Amazon's newest warehouse robots. They included one called Sparrow, which is an autonomous robotic arm that can pick up a wide variety of individual products, not just boxes and envelopes. How many Sparrows are there out there in the world in Amazon uh, fulfillment centers? Or so this is the first one uh, and, and the only one currently operating in Amazon fulfillment centers. I feel like I'm kind of in the presence of a celebrity yeah. here. There was also Robin, a widely deployed type of Amazon robotic arm that handled a billion packages, or one-eighth of the company's overall package volume last year. We're about to come back from break in 15 minutes. Robin didn't take a lunch break. That is correct. I learned a lot, but it was also a lot to take in. So after returning to Seattle, I met at Amazon headquarters with Ty Brady, a former MIT spacecraft engineer with decades of experience in robotics. He's now the chief technologist for Amazon Robotics. I showed him my pictures and videos from Texas, and he helped me further understand what I saw in Amazon's fulfillment centers. And one last video here. This is fun. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what you're going to pop up here. It could be anything. Our palletizer. This is a palletizer. Okay. So does this have a fancy bird name? <laughs> this, is, this, this, is, this is before the age of bird names. <laughs> yeah. Unless there's a bird called Robotic Palletizer. <laughs> one of the leaders at the Austin facility told me that he'd like to call this one Sir Stacks a lot. <laughs> right. And then the other one said he wanted to name it after himself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we all have our ways. We talked for the better part of an hour about these robots and their implications for the future of work and safety inside the company's warehouses. But just as I was about to turn off the recorder and start putting away the mics, he stopped me and made it clear that he had something bigger to say. Let's pick up the conversation from there. You know, I, when I'm reflecting back on, on this pod, I, I think about the passion, the hard work that our team. It's not just the one group or the other. It's the entirety of the team, from whether it's scientists, engineers, HR, legal, you know, physical resources, the entire team that makes this happen. We're driven with purpose and we're driven with real world application. And I really do believe that technology development done with project context will allow us to advance robotics. You just use the word purpose. What is the purpose? Yeah, it is uh, actually why I took a job at Amazon. Uh, Amazon approached me a, a few years back. I'm actually, I'm almost eight years here at Amazon and very comfortable, very happy with what I was doing, but always wanting to push the boundaries of what is possible. And I have a sense of not only what is in robotics, but what can be in robotics. And Amazon's the only company that I'm still aware of that actually takes pure application and then applies robotics to it. So we know what we need to do. The system is out there. The mission is very clear of what we need to do in Amazon. Huge selection of goods, and we want to bring that right to the customer's door. And robotics can help transform that operation, and we're seeing that. The actual context of that problem allows us to do things in mobility, 
like thousands and thousands of robots deployed simultaneously that the world has never seen. But we know what problem that we're working on. We need to get these many, many pods to a particular station at, at a time. And that, that framing allows us to advance the state of the art of mobility. We know that we need to pick up objects. It sounds very easy to do. Just all you got to do is pick up that one package and put it over on top of that, that drive over there. That you, that's really easy to do. But in practice, it's actually really hard. You have to sweat all the details. You have to understand really what's going on in the environment. And that context of like, okay, well, I really don't need to know what the problem is, will advance all of manipulation, not just for packages. And we're seeing that now uh, with things like Sparrow. And our team has designed a system where the machine learning layer is now common among these manipulation systems. So when Robin does things, it actually can share that learning with our cardinal systems and even with our Sparrow systems, right? We're seeing the acceleration of these core technologies these core capabilities inside of Amazon because of the project context, because of the applied research and development that we're doing. So that's really cool. That's great for Amazon and their customers. But now let's go one more level. And I do believe this is that now as chief technologist for robotics, I work not just in fulfillment, but I will work with other teams inside of Amazon and understand how robotics can help them and how they can use robotics and automation in order to make a better customer experience for them as well. So now you kind of unlock the core capabilities of robotics, something that we've been after for 40, 50 years at least. But now recently it's come to us, right? Because we have the age of the internet, we have the age of computing, we have more sensors available to us, we have machine learning and AI systems, and we confuse all these together into robotic systems. We're now at this really amazing moment of time where it's all coming together and now let's have pure application in order to accelerate and advance the state of robotics. So now this is the part that I haven't shared with anybody is that I do believe that what we're doing in robotics inside of Amazon, mastering these core fundamentals of robotics actually will help society in general at large because these technologies and these techniques, this collaboration mentality, well, actually, I, I believe is going to influence other industries and other sectors, right? So it's not humans against machines. It's humans and machines working together to do that task. And we're pioneering that, that movement. So I, I take great pride in that and it, with my team to say that, hey, we are doing something that the world hasn't seen yet. We are doing something that is at scale that the world's never seen. Like, there's never been a company like Amazon. There's never been, I'd say, the robotics tackled at the scale and at the, at the reliability that we're doing inside uh, of Amazon. And I do believe that in 10 or 20 years, it's hard to say what the actual time frame is, but I do I believe it's going to have an effect. Right, So I can see now society changing, and, and I'm very optimistic and bullish about it, of how technology will improve us as a society of human beings that are connecting to one another with the things that matter most. That's why I'm excited about it. That's why I, I took the job here. That's the job that the team is doing, and they're doing an incredible job. And when I see things that really speak to that mission, I become very, very proud, and I become very excited. What's your biggest concern in all of that? Yeah, my biggest concern is that they're, they're bad actors, uh, for sure, right? But I'm a, a, a very optimistic person is that for the one bad actor that may be doing something malicious when machine learning, that there is a society that will keep that person or that group in, in check. I like that. I'm concerned um, 
really by the, the fact that technology isn't quite here yet. I do get concerned where people overestimate the capabilities that technology can do, but they tend to underestimate in the long run really what what it is capable of. But, you know, I get concerned. We've, we've all seen our, sci our favorite robotic sci-fi uh, movies. You know, they're very Frankenstein-like, right? So that has a, an effect on culture. That concerns me because the mindset that technology will help society is a really important mindset. And I want our next generation to embrace that mindset because it's the next generation that deserves the STEM education that they deserve. They deserve to, to be able to uh, learn to program and to have robotic systems uh, freely. All, all, like everybody in society deserves that. And I get concerned when I see inequities in that. I get concerned about the education when I see engineering numbers actually not increasing, decreasing over time. That really concerns me, right? So we need our big-hearted, kindest, most awesome engineers, young women, young men, to get excited about technology, to understand that technology will help us become a better species on planet Earth, a technology that will allow us to protect planet Earth. I want them to be excited about that. I want them to embrace technology, not run away from it and say that technology is going to be doom and gloom. So my concern really is about just kind of the, the reputation that is kind of being formed early on right now. And I think that reputation, if you really took a look at it, is either exaggerated in what the capabilities are, or B, or maybe it's an and B, not really understood of what they're doing for you every day. I feel like if we were in robot church, there would have been amens. <laughs> Can I see a choir uh, exactly. uh, behind me? Choir of bots. <laughs> what, what's the biggest challenge you're going to need to overcome to realize that vision as Amazon? Yeah, the challenges are be patient. I say quite a bit, we think big through small acts. It's one thing to think of a grand vision. It's another thing to actually see that grand vision come to light. And the way that we see that grand vision come to light is intentional small acts that bring us closer to the grand vision. Because before you know it, a month, a year has gone by and you're closer and things as great as Sparrow and things as great as Proteus, for example, those have come to fruition. I can tell you when I joined, those were just ideas that we wrote up on a whiteboard. I mean, we literally wrote these on a whiteboard. Of these are things that we would like to spend some more time and resources on. And to see it deployed out in the field, again, just shows the incredible capability of our employees in order to do some amazing things. Proteus, by the way, is the company's first fully autonomous robot designed to operate safely alongside humans on the warehouse floor. After the break, we will rewind and hear more from Ty Brady about what has come to fruition from Amazon Robotics so far, plus some hints about what's next. Technology moves fast. I need to move faster. WGU's competency-based education puts me in control of how fast I move through my IT degree program. I can accelerate my program by applying what I already know to my courses and focusing on the things I need to learn. Earn a respected accredited degree that propels your career in the IT field. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. So we're here at Amazon in Seattle, and last time we talked, we were at Remars in Las Vegas. That's right. But I just went on a trip to Austin to see some of the latest robotics technologies that you and your team have put out into the field and are testing. You were just asking me what I thought, and I have to say, 
walking around OS2, yeah. right, which is yeah. one of the big fulfillment centers, a Generation 11 fulfillment center, I was struck by the advanced nature of the robotics and the autonomous nature of the robotics and also the jobs that the humans were doing because every time I looked at what the robots could do, I asked myself, why are the humans still there doing those jobs? And I can show you a couple pictures of, yeah. of the ones that struck me as like, wait a second, that seems like just on the verge of being replaced by automation. But I, I guess I want to start with a big picture question for you about Sparrow, sure. because I know Sparrow is yeah. the robot of the yeah, moment. Absolutely. So for people who have not seen Sparrow, how would you describe it? It's a robotic arm that can pick up individual uh, objects. And what's really cool about it is the variety of objects that it can not only grasp, but also identify, right? And it can do this at some pretty amazing rates. It's funny because we just, as humans, we take it for granted, the ability to grasp things, the ability to identify things and pick them up in, in a very controlled manner. It's a really hard job in, in robotics. Now, we're just starting out in robotics, so it's part of the learning curve. But just the simple ability to pick up an object, identify where it is, and then pick it up and move it at will is what uh, Sparrow will do. What does Sparrow represent in the evolution and expansion of Amazon Robotics? Yeah. It, it, first of all, it is a, a really big, proud moment uh, for us. So when I see like a Sparrow arm, I also get excited about seeing the really incredibly talented work that others ha have done, seeing that get deployed at scale, and then and helping our everyday employees inside the fulfillment centers do their jobs a little bit easier, making their jobs safer as well. So it gives me a lot of joy to see them to go from an idea to see a robotic system actually deployed working in the real environment, a real application, right? So we like to focus on, on application, uh, not just theory, right? Not just right. research. So it, would, it represents a really big deal for us because we can actually – my hope is I wanted to eliminate the mundane and the tedious and the repetitive, right? The, I wanted to make things more safer inside of our uh, fulfillment centers. I don't want folks to have to lift heavy boxes and crouch down on their knees or reach over their, their shoulders. And if we can have robotic systems to, to do that, that's a win for everybody, right? We strive to be Earth's best employer. We want to, we really index on a safe uh, workplace and robotics is allowing us uh, to do that. So. It does represent a big deal for us because it's one of the core foundational operational verbs that uh, that we have, which is just manipulation. The ability to pick up objects at scale and at rate is really important to a fulfillment process. I talked with an Amazon product manager for Sparrow, Kyle Betts, there, and he explained some of the things that Sparrow could not pick up. And the one that really surprised me was almost ironic because it was Amazon's first product. It was a book. <laughs> <laughs> books are tricky. Books are very hard. Why are books hard? So all books are not created equal by any stretch. Books sometimes have covers around even just the outside of the books to protect them. Books have an opening on one side. So if you pick up one side, we naturally don't pick up a book by its cover. We can maybe judge a book by its cover, but we won't pick up a book by its cover because when you do that, the book will kind of fly around a little bit. So there's a very particular strategy that we humans like to pick up books and we kind of grasp the, the binder side of it and grasp the entirety of the book. And we know that we have that and we have the tactile sensing coming back to say this is firmly in our grasp and we can then move it. 
That's not so easy in robotics, right? You have what we call grasp affordance of, of how do we want to actually pick this up? We have to come up with that strategy. And once it's actually in our grasp, it's moving in a dynamic system and you want to be able to c- continue to, to keep that grasp. But also the whole job is I don't want to damage anything. We can't damage it. Well, you don't, you don't want a book that with like a little bent corners or you want that book to be pristine. That's what our customers want. That's what our customers deserve. And that's what our robotic systems should uh, serve them with. So it is a really tricky, tricky uh, job. Now we have ways that we're thinking about how to do that, and it comes to what we call the end of arm tool. So the arm and the path planning to actually get to the book is one thing, but then the actual how to grasp it is another. So we're thinking about some pretty clever ways to, to minimize the damage on that and then being able to pick up something as simple as a book. It was fascinating because at the end of the sparrow arm is essentially a cluster of pistons yeah. almost, yeah. and they extend or retract in varying patterns, and that depends on what the vision system sees this arm needs to pick up. And so for a small item, it might only send two or three pistons down to, right. to pick it up. But it's essentially a suction. And so when you get to a book jacket, it's, it's, it was fascinating to I, me, though. I love that we can kind of geek <laughs> out here, because I'm, 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 I'm totally happy to talk to you about the, yeah. the intricacies of that. So yes, Sparrow has an arm tool that is an array of think of them as suction cups, various suction cups that we can extend and, and, and put out on demand. So if something's more heavy, and we have detected that through our perception systems, then we will actually put more suction cups on it so that you can lift it. And if something is really small and delicate, then we'll just only place one suction cup on top of it. But that's kind of half of the job, right? You First, you have to understand where the object is. Mm-hmm. You can imagine if you have two objects that are laying on top of each other, is that one object or is that two objects? So we have a lot of machine learning and, and AI systems that help us segment the scene, understand the, the perception path in order to get to that object, have the grasp before it, and it's actually physically grasp the object, hold the object while it's in, in, in dynamic motion, and then be able to place it in a, you don't just throw it, you want to place it in an orientation that it's suitable for maybe the containerization or for a box that we're going to send to our customer. But those, all those things really kind of get me going because I love it, right? These are great challenges that uh, will help actually propel robotics in the future. It's such a core fundamental capability, which is just manipulation, right? We also have other capabilities like mobility, and you've seen the fleets of drives that we have inside of our fulfillment centers, the thousands of drives that, that move the pods on demand for us to kind of get goods. We're getting re- really good at, uh, at mobility. Manipulation uh, in the pa- past couple of years is probably why you feel some of that excitement. It's really, Robin is actually our first manipulation product. That was the one that did packages, right? And to do, again, a product that works at high reliability uh, in a real environment is a testament to the amazing work of our women and men, our, our engineers, our scientists, and our, all our staff that put their blood, sweat, and tears into making that system very capable and also super safe for our employees. So what does this mean for work and jobs? That's next. This GeekWire podcast is sponsored in part by Yale University Press. Are you concerned about the rise of AI and how it will impact our society? Every day, artificial intelligence presents us with urgent ethical challenges. How do we harness this extraordinary technology to empower rather than oppress? Nigel Shadbolt and Roger Hampson have written a how-to for building ethical machine intelligence. Their new book, As If Human, Ethics and Artificial Intelligence, is now available wherever books are sold. 
Based on what you've learned as a company, do you have a sense for what the potential of Sparrow and perhaps its successors will be? Like, what kinds of jobs will it be able to do? Yeah, well, we are very much an experimentalist uh, type of company. So we are learning that in the field. There's, of course, we always have aspirations in the lab when we're building the prototype of what it, it's capable of and how well it'll work. But when you actually get into the field, that's, that raises the bar to a much, much higher level of challenge. Uh, for example, we shipped over 8 billion packages last year, 8 billion of those. Small exceptions, like, well, big deal. It's a one out of a thousand error. Well, over 8 billion, that's a really big deal. We can't handle that. That would consume uh, uh, the job that we'd have to do. So we really index on reliability, on quality, on scale, and uh, most importantly, on safety. I actually realized as I was asking that question, it was an interesting word that I used. I said jobs. I wasn't thinking tasks, which <laughs> might be a word that you would use. I guess my, my bigger picture question is, what will be the impact of of a robot like Sparrow on the jobs that are currently being done by humans? I think the evidence is pretty clear. The more robots that we add, the more jobs we're creating. I mean, we've seen that over since there are, our serious investment in robotics over the past 10 years. Uh, we've created over a, a million jobs uh, in total, over 700 job categories that go along with that. And jobs do change. I think the part that we should talk about more is that when you do robotics right, a collaborative style of robotics, a robotics that extends human capability and aug augments existing expertise of people, then you become more productive. And when you're more productive, then you actually gain the opportunity to have more customers because you're, you're bettering that customer experience. And when you have a, a better customer experience, that grants you revenue to invest more in new jobs and also in better robotics. And this flywheel will continue to spin. So better robotics, again, needs both people and machines to work harmoniously together in order to get the job done that's at, at hand, if that makes sense. Yeah. First of all, I'll just say this, is that technology that does not serve human purpose is useless. We don't do technology for technology's sake. Our technology has purpose and application. We are maturing our technology development through specific applied project context. For us, that's e-commerce. That's getting the package to the door. And this is actually helping accelerate uh, what is possible in, in robotics. We have what problem we're trying to solve is the very first question we ask on anything that, that we do inside of fulfillment, right? And if we can solve it with robotics, then we put our, our full effort in, into that to make it, one, a tool that a person can use, right? That is of use, that is useful to, to allow them to do their job better. Two, to deploy in a manner that is safe so that's, that it's in the human environment and not vice versa where the human has to be in the machine environment. And three, that it's efficient and productive. It's actually serving that, uh, solving the problem that we had in mind. Is there a way to net it out? And I realize this can get really, I don't mean to belabor the point, but if you look at, for example, Amazon's employment from Q1 2022 to Q1 2023 overall, yeah. it dropped by about 10% or about 157,000 people. Uh, from roughly 1.6 million to 1.4 million people. And a lot of that was in the fulfillment network at that point. And I know separately, the company has been making improvements in delivery speeds at the same time. So someone from the outside looking in like me would say, how was it possible to increase the delivery speeds when there were fewer people around? And to what extent can you attribute that to the 
increase in the number and the capabilities of the Amazon robots. Let me just say this, is that the success that Amazon has had when it comes to robotics is in combination with the amazing employees that we have. You cannot separate one from the other. Even before 2021 is what you cited, even before COVID, this uh, reframing your relationship with the machines was very much on our mind. We could not have been done what we've done in COVID without two key ingredients, our amazing frontline people and the machines that help them do their jobs better. My job, our team's job, and it's an amazing, amazing team, is to make those machines, make those robotic systems better and more human capable to allow people to do their jobs better. So we saw that, right? And I'm very thankful for that because I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of what we did over the COVID period. I'm proud that we were offering jobs to the restaurant workers that were laid off because all the restaurants were, were closing down. I'm proud that we, we gave them jobs to, to work at. I'm really proud of our women and our men that showed up every day manufacturing the, the robotics that, that we have, that were designing the robotic systems, that were deploying them so that people could get their goods at home when they couldn't go outside. I think that really helped the economy, and I'm really proud that Amazon stepped up to do that. So it's to me, it's, it's, it's more personal than just technology. It's about what technology can do for people. And the technology that our team worked just tirelessly on, we're seeing some of the, those, those benefits. So it's not surprising to me that our customer convenience has gone up, that we offer now a, more, a wider selection of goods to our customer. It's not surprising to me that we offer our goods at a lower cost as well because we're gaining the efficiencies of our robotic systems and we have this uh, human-machine mindset to be symbiotic and to be complementary of each other. And I guess what I'm getting at there is, I hear you say there's the 700 new categories of jobs, which I get. And I met some of those folks, the team that does what's called amnesty, where if there's a issue with one of the robots out on the floor, they go out and they fix it and it's very technical. It was fascinating to see the equipment that they wear and the way that they're very careful when going into that area where just the robots are in that fulfillment center in Austin. They are extremely cautious and the technology helps them be safe. So I can see the kinds of jobs. And I talked to one of them who explained that he hopes after coming in as a tier one associate originally to eventually be working for the robotics team in Boston. Yeah. So I can see where there are those examples. But I also then look and say, wait a second, when you net it out, are we seeing fewer jobs now than we otherwise would if the robots weren't around? Yeah, I don't, I, at, a, at a system level, I don't think so, right? Because we continue to grow. We continue to open new fulfillment centers across the globe, creating new jobs, you know, globally. That story does remind me uh, of, uh, it puts a smile on my face because I, I know of a few people that have done our robotics apprenticeship program. So they learn more about mechatronics. This is in addition to their daily job. We actually offer them the ability to upskill at the fulfillment centers uh, directly where they can learn more about robotics. And uh, I've uh, talked to a few folks that just are super passionate about it because they, they can't get enough of uh, the robots and they want to become more frontline. I love that, right? And I think that that's a natural progression as we continue to put in machine learning systems, AI systems, and, and robotics inside of our fulfillment centers. It should not be adversarial. It should be like, they, I, I, this is working for me. Thank you for doing, doing that task because I can do uh, other things. 
I like that. I like uh, the career choice opportunities that we offer for our fulfillment uh, employees, right? They can take any any class that they want. They don't have to pay us back on that, and we want them to continue to upskill and uh, get excited about education, get excited about robotics and technology and, and what uh, what that can do and how that can better people's lives. I, I love uh, hearing those type of stories. I love the stories uh, where when we have our own manufacturing capability back in uh, the greater Boston area where we have folks that are building these, you know, thousands and thousands of uh, robots that we have deployed in our fulfillment centers. They build them every day. They take a lot of pride in their work. They take their job very seriously, and they do an exceptional job at it. We have the world's largest fleet of industrial mobile robots out there, and I'm thankful for their hard work. So I'm trying to create a picture here that it's not technology, it's not the machines, it's not the computing, it's not that's not what is important. What's important are the people behind it, the people that think of this, the people that support, deploy, manufacture, uh, maintain, and work with these systems every day in order to accomplish the task. That's what I really get uh, passionate about. I think it's as designers uh, of robotics, robotic systems, um, this is this is really the turning point, right? Where you see everyday application, where you see robotics become more ubiquitous, more, it's just, it's here and it's helping me. And I don't have to talk about the robot so much by name. It's actually just doing the things that that I want. If you want to do navigation, there's a lot of AI and ML behind, you know, if you want to go from here to here, you don't think about that AI, AI or ML system for your navigation system, but it's definitely there. And you don't think about the AI and the ML that is behind not only the sourcing of the order uh, to get all the goods to your to the customer's door, but actually to physically get the goods to the customer's doors. We don't want you to think about that, right? We want to make it uh, really easy, and we want to be the the world's best employer. Ty Brady, thank you very much for talking. My with pleasure. Me. Always a great time to talk with you, Todd. Great, thank you. Ty Brady is chief technologist for Amazon Robotics. Check the show notes for links to my reports from Texas and videos of Amazon's latest warehouse robots with explanations from Ty Brady. Thanks for listening. Kurt Milton edited this episode. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. We'll be back next week with a new episode of the GeekWire podcast.